Hi there, my name is Inshira Premium and welcome to the Business Lecturer in Within Show. On today's show, I'll be discussing with you one of the fundamental accounting standards in financial reporting and also in corporate reporting, which is IAS 36, Impairment of Assets, and then IAS 38, Intangible Assets. Now, the reason why I am teaching this, these two accounting standards together is because of how they are interrelated with each other. We will first going to discuss with uh, the issue about intangible assets, and we will walk you through. I'll walk you through everything that you need to understand about intangible assets. Then after that, once we are doing intangible assets, along the line, impairment of assets will bring itself, and we are going to discuss it to see how all of these things are dealt with. Now remember that you can, if you are watching this video on Facebook, remember that you can click the link uh, above this video and it can take you to my YouTube channel and you can download this video on YouTube and also remember that you can follow me on Instagram on SoundCloud this lecture will also be there the audio version will be there and also right here on Facebook or uh, YouTube on all these platforms you can follow me at Ishara Premium or subscribe to my YouTube channel as well because I'll be releasing videos like this to assist you to prepare well for the May 2019 examination. So let's get to the discussion for the day. So as I mentioned, we are going to be looking at impairment of assets, IAS 36, and then intangible assets, IAS 38. Now, as you I always say, when you take almost uh, uh, any accounting standard, you have to look at three things about the accounting standards. You need to look at the recognition criteria, you need to look at the subsequent measurement basis, then also you need to look at the disclosure requirements. So what I'm going to be doing in this two-part video is to go through these things with you under these two accounting standards to assist you to uh, be able to work it out and also understand it properly. So let's begin the discussion with intangible assets and that is IAS 38. Now the objective of IAS 38 is simply to describe or gives a direction on how we account for intangible assets which are not accounted for by other accounting standards. By extension, the standard defines intangible assets as all monetary assets without physical substance. All monetary assets without physical substance. So if we want to define intangible assets, we can define intangible assets as that. All monetary assets without physical substance. Now when it comes to intangible assets, what are some of the examples that we can mention? Comment below with some of the examples prior to listening to mine. When it comes to intangible assets, we can mention goodwill. We can talk about franchise. We can talk about patent. We can talk about development expenses capitalized. Or what we call development costs. We can also talk about customer lists. We can talk about computer software. We can even talk about brands. All of these things are intangible assets, right? So when it comes to intangible assets, these are some examples that we can mention about intangible assets. Now before I go any further, 
I want to explain quickly some of these things that we have written down there and how IAS 38 prescribed that it has to be treated for or accounted for in the financial statements of the company. Goodwill. Now the goodwill we are bringing here is not internally generated goodwill. In other words, IAS 38, the standard forbids an entity to recognize an internally generated goodwill. So the goodwill that we are going to be recognizing here as an intangible asset is goodwill that results from purchases or acquisition. What does that mean? If for instance there is a company and the company's net asset, and you'll be doing this, we'll be discussing this under consolidation later on. And the net asset of the company is say $100 million, right? That's the net asset of the company. But then the company demands that you pay. If you are going to be acquiring them, you pay $150 million. So the extra amount of money you are paying to them, which is the $50 million, is what we recognize as what? Goodwill. IAS 38 prescribed that this is the kind of goodwill that can be incorporated in the financial statement of the company. As such, we cannot recognize internally generated goodwill. Now, let me give an example of that. We, we cannot say that if, for instance, uh, we get up and say that, all right, insurer premium, because of the followers I have on social media, and so insurer premium, the goodwill for insurer premium is, say, um, $20,000, and then we incorporate that on the balance sheet of the company, right? That is not reasonable. We cannot do that because uh, on what basis are we using to really place that value on that goodwill that we are mentioning? So it is purchase goodwill that is incorporated in the financial statement and not internally generated goodwill. It's very important for you to get that very well. The second thing is about franchise. Now, franchise has to do with where uh, a company or an entity goes to buy uh, the name of another company in order to sell uh, their products or run their services. For instance, if I want to open a restaurant uh, in a location somewhere around La Paz or somewhere around East Legon, and uh, I want the restaurant to stand out, what I can do is to go to Kempiski uh, that's the Gold Coast uh, city and go to them and say that listen I want to run a restaurant but I want it to be maybe a six star or a seven star restaurant so I want to buy your name alright Kempiski and put it on my restaurant now when that happens I'm going to be paying so maybe they can say that you're going to pay 10 million dollars and you can use the name for 10 years and at the end of every month or every month, there are certain ingredients you can buy from us. That is the same thing that KFC does. So many of the outlets that you see about KFC, most of them are all franchises. In other words, they are not directly owned by KFC themselves. So that is also the issue about franchise. When we pay that $10 million to Kempiski and buy that name and put it on our restaurants, it is an intangible asset and we can recognize it in the books of accounts. The next thing is about patents. This is where we talk about issues in relation to trademark and all that. So for instance, instead of saying that because of the followers I have, I would, uh, the goodwill for insurance premium is $20,000 and we place that in the, on the face of the balance sheet of the company, what we could do rather is to trademark insurance premium, right? So when we trademark insurance premium, it now becomes what? A registered trademark, right? 
more or less like a tradable branch. So now, whatever value there can now be put on the face of the balance sheet of the company. Then certainly the issue about development cost. Now the standard pays close attention to some two things that we need to understand. The first one is the issue about goodwill, which I've already discussed with you that internally generated goodwill is not incorporated in the financial statement. Rather, it is goodwill as a result of purchases. The second thing that IAS 38 pays close attention to is the issue about research expenses and development costs. So before I get into uh, the integrities of IAS 38, let me take you through that as well. So research and development. Now, when we talk about research, what is research? What, what do we say is research? Really, in a simple language, we can say that research is simply an investigation, all right? A planned investigation that is carried out by an entity to obtain an understanding of their products, services, or the market that they are in, okay? So a planned investigation undertaken by an entity to gain understanding or knowledge about their products, service, or their market. The standard requires that all research expenses should be written off in the year they are incurred. However, all capital expenses incurred under research should be capitalized and amortized over the economic useful life of the expenditure. What do I mean by that? What the standard is saying is that if, for instance, we want to gain understanding of how insurance premium is impacting and also affecting and helping students across the country to pass the ICA examination. So what we can do is to employ maybe 10 people. So these 10 people are going to go uh, uh, into various offices and into various universities and we're going to develop a questionnaire with a software and give them uh, all the information on, on tablets so that everything can be uh, integrated and the results can be quickly viewed and looked at in various preambles. So we employ five people, five ladies, they go around to gather this information and we give them this tablet with this software specifically developed to be able to get this information. What the standard is saying is that we need to look out for and find out in relation to how much money we are paying these five girls, like their salary, their bonus, their allowance, their TNT, their eating, every, those kind of expenditure would have to be written off in the current year because these are revenue expenditure, we write them off. But any capital expenditure like the software we bought for the research or the tablet we bought for the research are capital expenditure. So the standard requires that we are supposed to capitalize that and amortize it over the estimated useful life of those assets. So in that case, if for instance, during whatever research they undertake, their allowances, their food and everything, we spend like $10,000. Then the software we bought plus the tablet that we used amounted to say $20,000. IAS 38 is stating that we are supposed to write off that $10,000 in relation to their allowances, their bonuses, their food, their travel or transportation. 
However, the software and the tablet that we have bought is supposed to be capitalized. I hope you got that right. Now, after we obtain the research information, we go to the next stage, right? That the next stage is called development. Development. So what is development? In a simple language, we can say that development is simply the utilization of the research finding to improve upon an existing product or to develop what, a new product. So after the research information, or after the research finding, we gather the information, we understand the market, we look at our product, then we find out how do we improve upon the existing product or how do we uh, manufacture or uh, launch a new product for the market. That is going to be what? A development cost. Now, the standard requires that all development costs should be capitalized subject to the following. In other words, a company can only capitalize a development cost if it meets the below criteria, six criteria that I'm about to discuss with you. We're going to remember this criteria as sector. So to be able to recognize a development expenses, it has to meet the sector requirements. What does that mean? The S there stands for separate or separately identified projects. That's the first thing. It has to be a separately identified project. If we are spending an expenditure cost on a lot of things, then we cannot really allocate to a specific thing. So the expenditure on re in relation to the development cost has to be what? A separately identified project. The second thing is that the expenditure, so the E here is that the expenditure is identified, okay, and reliably measured. Very important. So, expenditure is identified and reliably measured. That is the second thing that we'll be looking at. The third thing, now, not only must it be a separately identified project or the cost should be reliably measured, however, the third thing is very important, there must be what we call commercial value. Commercial value. Now, when we talk about commercial value, what do we mean here? Commercial value simply means that there should be a ready market for the products we are producing. It should be a sellable product. There should be people who are searching for that product. Because if you are developing something that you're not going to sell, then it is not necessary for you to capitalize that in your financial statement. Right? So it has to be, it has to have what? Some commercial value. There has to be a ready market for it. Then the T here is technical visibility. Technical visibility. So is the project technically visible? Is this something that we can do? Is this something that we have expertise in? Is this something that if we look at is achievable, is doable? Yes, we need to look at that. So yes, it has to be a separately identified project. Yes, the cost should be reliably measured. Yes, it must have a ready market, but not only that, it should be something that will be visibly done by the entity. But then, not only must 
when we are developing have a commercial value or a ready market, but it must be overall profitable. So they all represent overall profitability. Because remember, we are a for-profit making organization. We are operating in order to maximize the wealth of the shareholders. So if we are operating to maximize the wealth of the shareholders, then one of the things that we need to do as a company is to find out that not only is the thing having a market, but we're going to actually make some money returns on our investment. Because remember, the development stage is actually a cost we are incurring. And if we are going to be incurring a cost in developing products, how are we going to sell that product and make profit or make loss? If we sell a product and we are going to make loss, then we better not do it at all. So overall profitability is key. But you see, not only should a project be technically visible, because sometimes it could be technically visible, which means it is doable, which means we can do it. But then the last thing there are is resources available to complete the project resources available to complete the project. Very important. So, do we have the resources available, the finances available? Can we get the equipment that we need to develop this product? Do we have the human resource, the techniques, the expertise we require to actually undertake this project? IAS 38 states that if these six recognition criteria that is the six things we've listed here. If all of them are met, then the entity can capitalize the development cost. If it does not, or if any development cost does not meet these criteria, then we cannot capitalize that. It has to be written off for the year ended for the company. So that is what we mean by the sector. So before you go further, or we go further in our discussion, you need to understand that intangible assets are non-monetary assets with phys without what? physical substance. And we made mention of the fact that goodwill, franchise, pay patent, development costs, customer lists, all of these are examples of intangible assets. Then we mentioned that when it comes to goodwill, it has to be what a purchase goodwill and that the standard forbids the recognition of internally generated goodwill. Then we discussed the issue of a franchise, I walked you to patent and then we spent some time on research and development. Now this is very important because sometimes when you are preparing a financial statement for a single entity or you are doing or you are dealing with a consolidated financial statement, there could be a footnote which has a story. And that story may contain some things here. So if that story contains something here, you would have to decide whether that cost has to be capitalized or that cost has to be ready off, whether it relates to research or development cost. So this is what you need to understand about these two items here. Now, the next thing we want to discuss is the recognition criteria for intangible assets. Now, I have indirectly spoken about the recognition criteria, but we want to go further and really talk about it because it is one of the things that the standard categorically stated. 
So what is the recognition criteria for intangible assets? Usually, all intangible assets can be, re or can be recognized using three recognition criteria, right? There are three things that must be met. You see, this is just like any other assets. So the way we discuss under IAS 16, when you are recognizing assets in the financial statement, the same recognition criteria. So here, the recognition criteria for intangible assets is one. The first one is one. Cost must reliably be what? Measured. That's the first thing, right? So cost must be reliably measured. That's the first thing. In other words, the cost of that intangible asset that we are acquiring, the cost of that intangible asset that we are capitalizing should be reliably what? measured. All right? That's the first thing. The second thing is that future economic benefits from the usage of the asset must flow to the entity. Future economic benefits will flow, let's use the word will flow, to the entity. Now when we say future economic benefit, I know by now you should understand what that word means. Future economic benefit simply means income or revenue or returns that are going to be made from the continuous usage of what? The assets. So whatever intangible assets, if the cost is reliably measured, the second thing we must look at is that it is substantially probable that all the future economic benefit from the continuous or from the intangible assets will flow to us, then we can recognize it. Now, why am I emphasizing on that point right now? If, for instance, back to my first illustration or my earlier illustration about Kempiski and we using them as a franchise for a restaurant, if we go to them and we tell them that we want to buy your name, we want a franchise, and we want to place your name, and they said, okay, they will give us the name for $2 million, and we can use it for 10 years. But during those 10 years, every year, our profit or our revenue, about 70% of our revenue must come back to them, or 80% of our revenue must come back to them. Now, I want you to be careful here. You realize that, yes, they are giving it to us at $2 million, so the cost has been reliably measured. But you realize that all the returns are not substantially coming to us as a company. Because Kempiski, the one who sold us the franchise, is demanding or want to take 70 to 80% of that revenue. Which means that we don't have control over the franchise, we don't have control over the intangible assets. So in that case, we cannot recognize that franchise in our books. Alright? We cannot recognize it because it's not certain that the substantially the amount of the money will actually flow to us as a company. Then the third thing is that it has to be a separately identified asset. It has to be a separately identified asset. Right? So these are the three things you need to understand. Cost should be reliably measured. It is probable that future economic benefits will substantially flow to the entity. And third, it has to be a separately identified asset. Now, the mnemonic or acronym we can use for, to remember this is C. All right? 
So cost is reliably measured. Future economic benefit will flow to the entity. It is a separately identified asset. If these three criteria are met by a company, then the company can what? Recognize the intangible assets in their books of account as a company. So I'll see you in the next video as we continue with this discussion.